Homestyle Green, episode 169. What can we learn down here in the Southern Hemisphere from Passive House Canada? Welcome back to another episode of Homestyle Green. This is the podcast dedicated to inspiring people to make a better place to live. My name is Matthew Cutler-Welsh, the host of the show, and earlier this year I caught up with Rob Bernhardt at Proclimber Hub. Rob is the CEO of Passive House Canada, and he's he's not a builder, he's not an architect. Uh, he first came across Passive House when developing a project of his own with his son. And since then, he has become the CEO of Passive House Canada, and he's worked with a number of organizations, including government and policy organizations, to improve the general standard of buildings in Canada and his mission really is to make high performance buildings the norm which is fantastic and I think something that we can definitely learn from here in New Zealand and I was really interested to talk to Rob about some of the similarities that we have and also the differences between the two markets. So we joined the conversation when I've just asked Rob about how we got into Passive House in the first place. Uh, back in 2010, 2011, decided we wanted a, a house. We looked around in the market. There wasn't much that uh, appealed to us or met mm. our needs and decided to build one. Our son was a contractor. He wasn't a house builder. But you were developing at this point? No, I was not. Oh, so I, I was before. retired, oh, right. uh, playing with the grandchildren. <laughs> and... Um, they uh, decided, well, we want a house, and uh, we didn't see one on the market, so let's build one, and persuaded my son he could probably figure out how to build a house. He's mm-hmm. for building his, other for stuff. His, for his dad, yeah. Yeah, well, for, actually, we were going to make it a two-family house, yeah. uh, he and his wife and kids, mm-hmm. and and us, so sort of like a duplex, that type of yeah. thing, and uh, our space would be smaller, but, you know, yeah. and uh, they, we really liked being near the the grandchildren like that, mm-hmm. young grandchildren. So uh, we were looking around and thought, well, if we're going to build something, let's build something worthwhile. Yeah. And uh, what would that be? Well, we didn't know. We're just reading about different building types and okay. building standards. So you did a research? Research is kind of a big word. We yeah. just read, right? And yeah. you read about Passive House. You read about this, read about that. Uh-huh. And Passive House made a lot of sense as we read about it. It just seemed logical. We'd ask in the industry, well, why don't we see these? There was, we live on Vancouver Island. There was none on Vancouver Island at the time. Right. And we heard every reason that probably every high-performance building designer hears for not doing it. Uh-huh. Uh, they're too expensive. They don't work. Yeah. It's not, you know, the, all the reasons that everybody would know. And we looked at the reasons and, uh, and the reasons just didn't make any sense. The reasons mm-hmm. for not doing it didn't make any right. sense. You'd look at how they're built, you know, from what we could see, it didn't look expensive. I mean, we're going to pay more money for windows and we're going to put in a good ventilation system. Yeah. It's going to cost something, but really, that's yeah. not much. Yeah. And uh, and there's ways to compensate for that if we need to. Yeah. So, um, so we... So is this sort of a coincidence that you came across some something to read about Passive House? Well, you didn't know any, none of your friends had built Oh, no, or? nobody. Didn't know anybody. There was it was, nothing on it was just right, scanning right? for building standards right. on the internet. No yeah. doubt, right? Yeah. And, um, and what was your criteria? You wanted, you wanted something that was... Was it comfort? Was it health? Or was it energy? 
I don't know. I don't think at the time. I don't think we were energy geeks at the time. Uh-huh. Uh, we wanted a good home that would sort of stand the test of time and retain its value. Yeah. And and sort of be a worthwhile building. Right. And uh, just want a good house. I, I think so. That's <laughs> all I can remember, anyhow. And then you yeah. start reading about Passvos, and it sounds kind of cool. Yeah. yeah. And I, I don't I don't know why, but it did. Yeah. And uh, and it made sense. It was logical, mm-hmm. and uh, the it seemed to address the issues that mattered. Yeah. And so um, the. So we heard all these excuses. We couldn't see any reason why it wouldn't work. And we just decided, what the heck with it? Let's just build one and figure it out. Yeah. Uh, so I, being retired, I had the time to go take the training. And so I did that. And wow, the passive house. Training, yeah. So I was the only one on the project team. It's only a house, but still you have an architect and builder and so on. I was the only one that was trained. Right. Um, did, so did you do the exams? Well, did you? No, I right. was planning to use the project as the way to become certified. Ah, okay. As a, as a but it's still pretty result. intense training. I mean, that's beyond. It was. It was for me. What most yeah. clients would go and. <laughs> but the and the training was much shorter then in Canada. How many days? Only five days, <laughs> and <laughs> so there was a lot of extracurricular study involved, yeah. and uh, but we we got it built, yeah. and. Some parts of it we wouldn't do again, uh-huh. but uh, it's there and it, it, we're happily living in it. Yeah. But it, in, during the course of building it and seeing how it's coming together and learning more, we thought, you know, this actually makes sense as a business. We're not the only ones who would want one of these. Right. And again, you talk to the development community and realtors, they'll all say, no, no, people won't pay for this. And we just thought, you know, we're small. We don't need to sell 500 of them. We only need to sell a few. Uh-huh. And somewhere in this city, there's a few people who will understand this. Yes. Uh, so we built a small sixplex condominium building, and uh, put it out on spec, and mm-hmm. it sold well. Yeah. Then we went and bought a couple other lots and built some. Off the plan? Did you sell off the plan, or was it? Or no, we didn't sell off the plan. Right. Because we didn't believe people would understand what they're buying. Ah. And we wanted to get more money for these than what people might get for right. a conventional build. You wanted them to go and experience it. We wanted them to go in and experience it, but at the same time, we wanted them sold before they're finished. Right. So once we had the walls up, you know, had it closed in and some insulation in, mm-hmm. then we would put them up for sale. In some ways, it's a perfect time to sell a passive house because you get to see the bits that yep. are about to be covered up yep. or all the important bits. That's right. Like yep. The, yep. Like that, that's what we thought. Just yeah, uh, yeah. sell it while the walls are open but people can see what the wall is. Yeah. And uh, so so that's what we did. And they they sold uh, very well and the and the, as we got more experience we got bolder with the pricing mm-hmm. and uh, so it worked well as a business. One of the first units we in the sixplex, the first spec building we did, one of those units really re, sorry, recently resold, and um, it it too sold at a significant premium. There are people out there who understand the difference. Yep. And yeah. they may not be the market globally. Yeah. But these projects don't need to sell to the market. They can sell to individuals. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. there are individuals who absolutely will understand this. So, how did you go from developer and owner to CEO <clears throat> of Passive House Canada? Well, as I was uh, 
developing these properties, I was assisting with the establishment of Passivos Canada. And what I did is I just sort of transitioned from development into full-time with Passivos Canada. Right. So I'm not doing any development at this point. Right. So at some point, the, the office became demanding enough. Yeah, that it, the it office just, being... Passivos Canada. Yeah. Uh, demanding enough that uh, it, it takes full-time attention. Yeah. And, uh, and I can't be spread out doing other yeah. things. So you've been here in New Zealand for... Almost two weeks? Uh, over two weeks now. Yeah, and you've yeah. spoken to Minister of Housing and, uh, and, and spoken at the university. You had a, a bit of a look around at the housing stock here. What similarities do you see between where we are and your experience in Canada? What I see is I think Kiwis are a lot like Canadians. Yeah. They're always apologizing. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, they, yeah. I, I keep hearing how bad the buildings are here from yeah. Kiwis. Uh -huh. uh, That's partly because of the people you hang around with. That maybe. That may yeah. be, yeah, yeah. And, uh, but uh, actually, but it's not. It's, I've been, it's, I hear that quite broadly. Right. And uh, it's recognized in a lot of circles, I, uh -huh. I think, here. Yeah. People feel it's bad. But the reality is the, the, the standards really aren't much different than Canada. They're, they'd look to be largely similar. When I hear about the attitudes and the shoddy work and this sort of thing, mm. it sounds just like home. Uh, the difference is that in Canada, if we don't put a furnace and some level of insulation in, we will freeze to death. Yeah. So we do that. And, but, just, and just heat yeah. crap out of it. Yeah. yeah, and that doesn't make them any more comfortable than the Kiwi buildings. Right. It just keeps us alive through the winter. <laughs> yeah. And uh, but that that culture of the sort of low quality construction and mm. is is very much alive and well. So. But there's a change happening, right? There's a change yeah. happening, and I see that same change in New Zealand. Mm -hmm. There's a what I've been really pleased about seeing is the broad based interest in uh, improving building standards and a government that appears to be committed uh -huh. and interested and, and relatively informed yeah. and a bunch of people through the country that, that know how to do this yeah. uh, and other industry groups that are engaged with it. It's amazing how easily people can change the world. Right? It, uh, the world is run by those who show up, I keep saying that, mm -hmm. and uh, if you, you get some groups that are out there and vocal and advocating and educating, yeah, uh, it, it's very interesting how these apparently implacable attitudes start to morph. Yeah, yeah. And they don't change for everybody. Yeah. And maybe the bigger organizations are the slowest to change. Yeah. But the the leaders will do it, yeah, yeah. and the number of people that are leaders grows exponentially. Awesome. It, it's like a you know the snowball; it just yep. keeps gathering and gathering. And that's what momentum. you're starting to see. You say you've got eight staff now at Passivos Canada. Yes, eight staff, and I think it's fourteen instructors now on our. And you've also got some places where they're requiring or something close to, to passive house from a, a building regulation uh, no we're not requiring passive house yet 
but there's a number of government uh, agencies and different levels of government that are more and more clearly telegraphing where building standards are going. Yeah, right. And they're really describing the outcomes that passive house provides. Right. And then so some, some jurisdictions they're just not calling it. Yes. Right. Uh, and some jurisdictions are incentivizing passive house. Mm-hmm. And if you are wanting a density bonus, other allowances, expedited building permits, this sort of thing, then offer to build a certified passive house. Right. And because right. uh, the cities need the, these buildings to achieve their climate targets, to show others that it's possible yeah. that, and what they can have. Yeah. And uh, so there's a number of programs afoot to incentivize this sort of building. Do you think having those quite uh, well-defined climate change um, policies is a big driver? Would, would you have huge. the same success without that? It's, no, no, right. we would not. In our view, this requires uh, public sector engagement and the, the, the engagement of the regulatory system. Yeah. yeah. So uh, the, it takes a government that is wanting to address the climate change issues. Right. And if a country wishes to do that, it must address buildings. Yeah, right. So and has that been part of your success as an organization to slowly do that work to uh, influence that? In Depending on the scale, we're a small organization. We yeah. are a new organization. Yeah. So for any of us to suggest that we shifted Canada's position yeah. to get Canada to sign on to the Paris Agreement, yeah, yeah. I would say would be uh, preposterous. Right. But now we are working closely. Now that those big high-level agreements are done, mm. we're able to go in and really quite effectively work with government. Right. And uh, because they have a direction. Yeah, they've they've yeah. got their mandate. Yeah. And what Passive House provides is a solution yeah, for yeah. them. Yeah. And I think that's the key that we talked about before, is that finding that, that problem they have that, that Passive House can be a yeah. solution for. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we emphasize the, the performance outcomes yeah. for these buildings. Yeah. And they can call it what they like. They can call it a zero emissions building, a right. net zero ready is a yeah, national yeah. term. Yeah. They call it whatever they want. Yeah. Uh, but these are the outcomes that matter yeah, to yeah. our members. Yeah. And uh, so that, that's really the, the key thing. What's the best thing about living in a passive house? Comfort. Yeah. Uh, second best thing is comfort. Yeah. Third best thing is comfort. <laughs> and then it's the air quality, uh-huh. uh, the quiet environment. If you're in an urban environment, close the windows, the yeah. noise goes away. Um, the the affordability, like they're just it's so simple and inexpensive. Yeah, and you're just it's just a really simple, robust building. You and we were talking before um, we were recording that com- comfort. It's easy to say, but it's actually changed your lifestyle. It has. In, in, in a few ways. In ways that we didn't anticipate, actually. Yeah. So even while we were committed and, in fact, investing our money in designing and building a passive house, yeah. we didn't understand how it would impact us. Yeah. And um, we didn't understand, uh, I think I mentioned to you earlier, the, the hot tub store. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, we just assumed that we'd always had a hot tub or a spa and we had the architect design an area on the patio specifically for that. Yeah. Uh, we found after we moved in, we weren't interested in using it, and we'd never 
felt that way before, right. any time of the year. Yeah. And uh, so we thought, well, certainly by winter we'll need this spa because yeah. this house doesn't have a furnace. And we're in Vancouver. We're, yeah, and in Canada every house has a furnace. Right. And you don't get through the winter without one. Yeah. So we thought perhaps the spa would be our only savior through the yeah. winter. Yeah. Uh, but as winter came and we got right into winter, we never developed an interest in getting back in the hot tub. Mm -hmm. And we sold the hot tub uh, the, uh, because we just weren't using it. Uh -huh. And uh, the what it, Because it was outside. Yeah, I mean, to get in a hot tub, you've got to get undressed, you go outside, you get yeah. all wet, yeah. you've got to get it, go back inside, dry off, you know, yeah. it's a lot of work. Yeah, yeah. And because in every other place we'd ever lived, there, my wife in particular, you know, cold feet, this sort of thing. You've got, yeah. If you sit by the window reading, you get a chill off the window. Uh -huh. And uh, the hot tub was the way to get comfortable, to get yeah. warm before going to bed. Yeah. But when you're living in a house that is always comfortable, it takes away that motivation. Yeah, yeah. So it's the same as a fireplace. Coming from Canada, a fireplace is considered so critical. Yeah. Just an essential yeah. amenity to most people. Yeah. But they, and they can't imagine having a house without one. Yeah. Just as we couldn't imagine having a house without a hot tub. <laughs> and the uh, but they they don't light the fire in the summer. They only light the fire when they're cold. Yeah. And that that connection isn't made. And if you've never experienced this kind of warmth and comfort, it's almost impossible to conceive of living without these sort of aids, these crutches yep. that are designed to compensate for the weak envelope. Yeah. Um, so we need to get more people in to experience <clears throat> what those what that yes. actually feels like. You can feel the difference when you walk in these things. Yeah, the yeah, air yeah. quality, the, you can feel that the windows aren't cold, yep. that the floor is warm. Yeah. And, and in the summer you can feel that it's cool and fresh. You know. The other thing you mentioned, uh, though, was about how you also enjoyed spending time outside, particularly in the shoulder seasons, and weren't afraid to have the doors and windows open, which is one of the big objections I often hear, is, yeah. is being closed in. Yeah, the times, of the, times of the year when we can see our neighbours have got their furnace rolling and yep. engaging. So growing up in Canada, you're conscious of keeping the doors and windows closed to conserve yep. heat. Because um, you're you're paying for heat. Tell my kids pull the curtains, close yeah. the windows. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, and uh, so you're always sort of conserving heat like that. Yeah, and keeping the doors closed, doing this and doing that. And what we noticed is we quit doing that because the heat isn't on. The building is just warm. I mean, yeah. we do, in Canada we do turn the heat on for winter, but not in the shoulder season. Yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, so it's the the sort of shoulder season time. You can just be sitting out in the afternoon sun and the doors are open and you're walking in and out. You sort of have an indoor-outdoor lifestyle. Yeah. And perhaps in the evening it starts to get too cool to sit outside. Yeah. Uh, we would always previously be conscious of closing the house doors. Straight away. Straight away. Yeah, and, yeah. and, you know, maybe not even leave them open during yeah. the day. Because it, it feels nice in the sun, but the air is actually quite cool. Yeah. And it's all going in the house. But living in a passive house you you don't care like it, yeah. it just it doesn't matter you're not because paying the structure of the house is, is still warm yes and you're not paying for heat there is no heat right. on. Yeah. yeah if you close the doors 
yeah. gets warm. Yeah. So if it's getting kind of cool inside, close the door. Yeah. Yeah. But until then, don't worry about it. Right. And if you're an hour late closing the door, it's a little cool inside. It doesn't matter. There's yeah, enough yeah, yeah. warmth around, as you were saying, in the mass of the building. Mm. It just brings it up. Yeah. And uh, which I think is really comforting. It should be uh, to a lot of people who are considering. Because a lot of people get stuck on the whole air tightness thing. It's, yeah. oh, I don't want to be closed in, or I want to throw open my doors and windows. What you're saying is you, that having a passive house has actually increased your ability to have that indoor-outdoor living. Oh, absolutely. Rather than yeah. Uh, decrease it. Yeah, you open them up without caring because you're mm. not wasting any heat. Yeah. It's all free anyhow, right? Awesome. It's out of the sun or internal heat gains or something. Yeah. And uh, it's the same sort of thing that we we had a lot of anxiety about uh, cold parts of the house because yeah. we knew that places would be had more uh, you know huge gl uh, glass area around right, the living right, room yeah. and it's a long ways from heat source and it, so we're worried about it being cold yeah. and uh, you know should we put a radiator in there and yeah, do we need yeah. we have to make these decisions early because that takes special wiring and yeah. all this sort yeah. of thing and uh, so we spent a lot of time worrying about that mm -hmm. you know debating it but once you move in, we ended up not putting it in and deciding yeah. that we'd work it out. Don't need it. But we were nervous about that decision. Mm. And uh, but so we moved in, and after first year we just lived in the winter like that and decided, you know, it really could use a little boost here. It's a little on the cool side mm. because our our range of temperatures that we consider comfortable has now shrunk. Right. right? We used to be happy at fifteen to twenty five, and now we want it yeah. to be nineteen to twenty one. Wow. And 21 feels too warm and 19 feels too cold. So you've gone from like a 10 degree threshold. I, I, I'm, down to I'm a, making numbers up. I don't but know. But it would the be around that. You're, you're down to a, at least oh. a couple of degrees. Of, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah your, your range of acceptable temperatures becomes much narrower once you're used to living at one consistent temperature. Yeah. So, uh, but, uh, so we decided, well, we should put a little boost of heat in here. Mm. But all you do is plug it we mounted a little uh, radiant panel yeah on the wall it just plugs into any little outlet yeah it cut first one i think cost us 60 bucks they're dirt cheap yeah you can paint them the color of the wall <laughs> they disappear yeah. and uh you know that's your fix how long do you need to put it on for well once in a while on cold days you switch right, it on just put yeah. it on for a bit and yeah. yeah job done yeah i mean if you're baking or something that you don't need it yeah, but because right. you're getting all that you know, heat. maybe you've been away and it's kind of chilled yeah, and yeah. turned yeah. on. So it's just a very small, inexpensive heat source. You can, and so these kinds of fixes are amazingly easy, simple to do. Yeah, all that anxiety about wiring, you know, two twenty wiring or whatever. Yeah, yeah. We just didn't need to worry yeah. about it. So you need to put the you put the thinking into the insulation, the ventilation <clears throat> system. Worry about all that stuff up front. Yeah, don't worry about. Yeah, if you're a little cool in some corner. Yeah. We don't put heat in all of our rooms. Yeah. So in Canada, that's remarkable. In fact, some building inspectors are giving passive house people grief because right. they believe the code requires a heat source in huh. every room. Interesting. Uh, yeah. it, it doesn't, but you know it gets that's interpreted that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they just can't imagine having a house that doesn't have a heat yeah, source in every room. Heat this room. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and of course the air just moves around. Yeah, and yeah. when your envelope is that good, it's maybe the bedroom is half a degree cooler and yeah, maybe that's yeah. a good thing. Yeah. And uh, so where do you see Passive House in Canada in say 5 years time? 
very hard to look that far ahead. It's changing so rapidly. Right. So we're uh, working on a revised strategic plan right now as mm -hmm. an organization, but we're only trying to look ahead three years because it moves so quickly. Right. And um, but I would see across Canada within five years that passive house performance levels are seen as pretty normal, not normal that everybody does it, mm -hmm. but that everybody recognizes that's where we're going yep. and uh, everybody is starting to get trained up to do that. And by everybody? Uh, I shouldn't say everybody, that's too big a word. Right. The, the, you know, large groups of, right. of industry. Yeah, we're starting to get that, that middle mass adoption. Yeah, yeah. 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 And that's in good. leading jurisdictions it'll just be normal. Excellent. Look forward to it. Yeah. Well, we'll try. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much, Rob. All right. Appreciate Thank it. you, Matthew. And that was Rob Bernhardt, CEO of Passive House Canada. What do you think? You can email me, matthew at homestylegreen.com. I'd love to know your thoughts. I'd love to know what you think about Passive House being the, the norm, being the standard. What do you think of that? Thanks to... Um, we didn't mention it, but thanks to the Quantity Surveys Institute New Zealand, they were responsible for bringing Rob here in the first place, uh, which is really positive, I think, because it's uh, it's great to have an organisation like that who is looking at the cost side of things that are starting to take an interest in higher performance homes. Also, like to quick thanks, of course, to Proclimber who allow me to put on this show. Couldn't do it without their support. Check them out, proclimate.co.nz or proclimate.com.au for all your weather tightness and air tightness solutions. That's it for me for this week. Thanks for tuning in. Now go make a better place to live. <laughs>